I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. creak of the ladder was always the worst part, the old metal loose in its welds. Cold wind pulled at Hal's face as he climbed. The rooftop of the apartment building had been littered with trash before this, but now only a small space remained. Everything he couldn't find a way to reuse crowded around a threadbare folding chair and a box of old magazines. Nestled on top was the lantern. Hal had enough oil to keep it lit for a few weeks, but it could last years doing this. He twisted off the cap and checked that it was still full, then gently clicked the burner. The sound was whisked away in the seaward air, out over the silent city. He felt its warmth against his chest and held it high, moving it in small arcs, left and right then up and down. He covered its face with his hand, then uncovered it hoping the flash would catch his attention. The light, too, was whisked away. He clicked off the lamp and put it back in its place, slumping into the chair. His eyes, though, stayed fixed on the window. Eight blocks away, a few straight-lined streets and a park, the only barriers between them. He stood up again and snatched up the lantern. He lifted higher, climbed up on the box and waved it. Come on, he muttered, then clapped a hand over his mouth. The wind kicked up, pulling in from the sea. He heard the trees far off in the park groan and sway, then slowly settle. Hal smacked his fist into his temple. The ladder seemed to creak even more on the way down and the window frame gave protest too as he climbed inside. He slid the window closed behind him, millimetre by millimetre. He curled up in the cold leather lounge, a blanket wrapped around him. The TV screen had been repurposed, a faded tourist map taped across the surface and scribbled with information. The grocers, the servos, the open buildings to hide in, and the routes to David's house. The longest one had the most notes. He knew the lengths of the streets, or the places to take cover, or the lines of sight. Hal had mulled over that path for weeks. Before all this, it was a half-hour walk. Now he put it at about two hours. Two, almost three patrols. Impossible. 
On the other hand, the short path was as straight as a finger. Out the main door of the apartment, down a long alley and through the park. Simple. A death wish. Hal let out a long sigh and sunk into the lounge. He sat up, grabbed a magazine and flipped through a few pages. The same articles, the same pictures, the same flashy advertisements for blenders and dog food. He jumped to his feet and drew back the magazine, but stopped his arm mid-arc. He checked the map again. The next patrol would come and go in about half an hour, which would give him just under an hour. If he moved quickly, he could do the long path in about an hour and a half. Halfway along was an old bar, its doors broken down, so he could hide in there until the patrol was over. Then he could take it slow around the park and make it to David's with time to spare. He spent the wait shoving food and clothes into his bag, each can wrapped in soft padding. Enough for a few days if David was running low. The front door hadn't worked since the power gave out, so he climbed out through his downstairs neighbor's window. He held his breath from the smell of rot and cat piss. Closed his eyes as he moved through the room where she lay. Out on the street, the light cast fuzzy silhouettes of the skyline. Hal pulled his mask tighter and took a step onto the road. He could feel the jagged asphalt through his socks. To get to David's, he had to turn around. He followed the zagging street into an alley, which hooked around at a 45 and joined a road closer to the sea. That part took about 15 minutes, longer than he'd estimated. What made the walking slower were his feet. They had become used to carpet and wood, and every step on jagged terrain made him wince. Glass from shattered windows made pools that he had to circle around or jump over, at one point completely covering the street. He didn't think about why it was red, focusing on the placement of his feet. The street came to a bend, which marked the halfway point. Three quarters of the hour was up at Hal's guess. He rounded the corner and saw a rope draped between the buildings at waist height dangling a dozen brass bells. He heard a soft tap behind him and turned. He might have spotted this guy at a club before this. He was head to toe in black with a big knife tucked into his belt. Hal didn't stare at the knife though. In his hand, gentle as if holding a newborn, the man held a bell. It looked like something out of a period piece, small and silver. Hal raised his hands. The man pointed at Hal's bag. A chill breeze flowed down the street and set the rope of bells tinkling. Hal shook his head. The man put one hand on the knife, the other raising the bell. He stood in the middle of the road, backing Hal against the rope. To either side of him was bare road, stretching around the corner. Hal let out a sigh. The man drew the knife. Hal leapt toward the man and shoved his shoulder into his gut. The man gave a small yelp and stumbled backwards. The bell flew from his hand, ringing through the air to land with a clang. Hal didn't stop moving. The wind pushed against him as he bolted back down the street. He sunk his teeth into his tongue as he passed through the field of glass, 
the ground beneath his feet trembled. Far off in the city he heard a boom, the cracking of stone, and a shrieking roar. The boom came again, then another, each one separated by a few seconds. Hal kept his head low and ran. He glanced back to see the man staring at the horizon. He tore his gaze back to the road. Flecks of rock and trash whipped at Hal's eyes, the wind pulling him back. He ran with eyes closed down the long road. The roar sounded one more time, and the wind stopped. Hal stumbled still. His lungs burned, he felt hot blood soaking his feet and his shirt, but he locked his muscles and held his breath. His neck twitched in the effort not to turn. The long silence was broken by the man's screams and then a crunch. Another boom, then another. The wind started again, slowly dragging the warmth from Hal's trembling body. He found himself limping onto his apartment doorstep. The window was still open. He placed both hands on the sill, but stopped. He turned to his left, towards the long alley with a hint of grey-green park beyond. There weren't any booms, no deafening shrieks. Hal tapped his forehead against the concrete wall, just hard enough to leave a mark. He unslung the bag and rifled through. Down at the bottom he found a roll of tape. He pulled a long piece and placed it against the sole of his blood-soaked sock. He drew in breath, then let it out and pulled. The wind whipped by as he whimpered. He tossed a length of tape, now coated in glass shards, and pulled another. This time he bit into his knuckles to stop him from screaming. After the last few shards had been pulled, he wrapped his feet in the tape and stood. The man's bell had broken the patrols, so Hal moved fast. It was impossible to know how much time was left. The park grew larger with each street, each step faster than the last as the wind pushed at his back. He pulled out of the alley. The brown creek passed under where the bridge had once been, now just damp firewood. The red clay banks were soft with moisture, interspersed with chunks of stone. On the other side were rows of wild hedges. Hal lay down on his belly, feet towards the water, and inched backwards. He kept his arms out to his sides, pressing his knees into the soil. Dirt crumbled away beneath him and he slid, gripping his fingers into the grass. He felt cold water and lowered one leg in, then the other. Pain shot up through his cuts as he turned. The water soaked up to his shins, red mixed with brown with each step he took, never breaking the surface. At the other bank, he slid his arms over and sunk his fingers deep. He jammed his chin into the dirt and pulled, lifting one leg up to hook over the other side. With a grunt, he rolled up onto the grass. The cold wind threatened to pull him towards the center of the park. He stayed in a crouch and moved towards a tree. Glancing around, he saw the stones. Where the botanical gardens had stood, 
were a dozen white rocks the size of houses. They were marked with deep holes and walls, like skin that insects had feasted on. From here, Hal couldn't make out the head. One arm stretched towards him across the field of broken trees, the legs obscured by foliage off to his right. The chest was clear, bone white with curving spikes that made it look like a castle. It wasn't moving. Neither was Hal. The trees here groaned constantly, but the longer he stood, the more they settled. After a while, they gave a regular song. He could make out the other bridge that spanned the winding creek. Between him and it, an open expanse, bordered by uprooted trees. Hal peeled himself away from cover. Foliage blocked out all but the curving chest as he passed by it. He tried not to look, focused on the ground before him. He hardly noticed when he was drawn back up to stare. Some of the holes were impossibly deep, hovering shadows like night. He closed his mouth and kept walking. The last few meters he half ran and clung to the sharp bark of the pine tree. He took a breath for the first time in a while, let it out slowly. He slumped against the tree and then paused. He felt it beneath his fingers, tall and unmoving. There was silence in the garden. He turned his head. Dirt packed by immense weight, the remnants of trees and buildings, and two curved pillars of stone. His eyes followed them up, saw the veil of shadow that surrounded them, the triangle of white that formed the cloaked chest, and amid the cowl a wide-eyed head that came to a point like a beak. The head tilted just enough for the empty sockets to lock with Howl's watery eyes. He felt himself slip to his knees. A long moment passed. Howl felt the water soaking his legs leach into the soil, felt the saliva in his mouth dry. The being, bones in a cloak of darkness, lifted its head and turned. One monolith leg rose. When it slammed down on the other side of the path and sent Hal to the ground, he heard another boom a few seconds later. Hal scrambled to his feet. The bridge groaned underneath him, but he kept running. His taped feet slapped against the road, up the steps to the open door of David's building. He caught his breath in the frame, then stumbled inside. A neat array of books lined the kitchen table beside empty cans and used batteries. A yellow paperback sat open on top, a children's guide to Morse code. The title page was scrawled with Sharpie. Be back soon. doing things slightly differently because we're not going to throw ideas back and forth. 
uh, this is a directed episode, so one of us just has an idea that we really like and we're just going to do it. Yes. Is that right? Is, one is the director and the other, I think what would work best is if the other one, one person is the director and the other person has right of veto. So at any point they can go, I don't like this thing and we're going to change it. Still keeping within the main theme. Yeah. But like, just to make it so that it's not too one-sided, the other person could go, mm, veto. Mm. Um, which I think is fun. Yeah. Not necessarily mm. in a in a spiteful way. <laughs> well, no, that's one of our like precepts, right? Is to yeah. be a fan of the writing, no matter what. Um, and I think this is a fun exercise of like stuff that writers will have to do, i.e., mm. working for someone who is like telling them what to do, and then still having to be creative and having to like find passion. Yeah, um, I think. And, see, yeah, yeah. From from my perspective, at the very least, I I would do something like that if I'm like, okay, I feel like this thing doesn't quite fit so yeah. we're gonna change it it's just a really good way to make it your own as opposed to uh just the directors which i think is important yeah. in a shared sort of space uh speaking of which i'm the director this week so ha yes. um and i have uh, a little something for you to oh. listen to and i oh, think fun. we're gonna be able to get away with putting a little snippet of this in the episode oh wow um, because it's necessary Mm-hmm. Please open this. <laughs> oh, oh no! I'm really scared. Oh, I'm also okay. Listen to it. <laughs> wow. Um. After listening to that, I'm not sure if we can play it in an episode. That seems like a very, um, big song. Oh, just a snippet. I think people, people who are in the know will know that was the, uh, main theme from Godzilla 1954. Uh, it is also the sort of motif that is in every Godzilla film when Godzilla shows up. He has two. Um, what's fascinating about that, um, that motif is that in the original 1954 Godzilla, that, that motif is supposed to represent the military, um, rising up to fight Godzilla, but it's so epic and awe-inspiring that people are like, no, that's Godzilla's song. That's for him. Um, it's, it's, it sounds mm. so like happy though. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like powerful in a way. Um, yeah, it, it is a lot more cheery than I'd expect. I've never seen a Godzilla movie. I didn't think so. I was going to ask if you, have you ever seen a kaiju movie in general? No, I don't think so. Um, because my inspiration, uh, my, my idea for this directed episode is kaiju movies. Oh, Awesome. Um, because kaiju movies are something that I will go through phases of just being so fascinated with because they are, there's so much contained within that heading of kaiju movie. Um, yeah. So a kaiju movie is, it comes from the Japanese word strange monster. Well, kaiju means strange monster, but it refers to giant monsters um, in, mm. in cinema. The original kaiju movie before kaiju movies was Godzilla, uh, sorry, not Godzilla, um, King Kong mm-hmm. was King yeah. Kong. Uh, and then Godzilla came along and sort of dubbed the... Uh, the archetype um and they are so fascinating because i think at the surface level people are like oh that is the action movie of action movies that is like yeah yeah totally peak peak action movie but that is a very like hollywood american idea of a kaiju movie um and the original godzilla movie is like i think um 
a really good touchstone for like Japan's history and turmoil because it is representative of a lot of people will say it's representative of the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki um but really it's uh the American nuclear bomb testing off of the coast of Japan um done in like the 60s 50s 60s um that caused like multiple deaths from radiation and stuff Godzilla is a radioactive monster who not only is he allegorical within the the original film for the nuclear bomb he's also like people just straight up will say oh he's just like the nuclear bomb <laughs> like yeah. he's he's not a subtle allegory for america's um mistreatment of japan even to the extent that when the godzilla the first godzilla movie was played in japan it was completely edited of every, any mention of the nuclear bomb um oh. uh, america went this is too bad for our nuclear industry this is too harmful so we can't wow. allow it to be seen this way yeah um it's fascinating um yeah absolutely so godzilla originally was uh you know he was uh, awoken or like uh his habitat was destroyed by these these nuclear bombs and so he is a radioactive monster who comes up on shore and starts destroying japan uh and they have to deal with him by um eventually they have to use a worse weapon than the nuclear bomb and risk unleashing a global arms race to defeat him um and then in the like 30 movies that come after that it is just silly nonsense action (laughs) stuff which is one could say less valuable because it has less of a deep meaning but it's also super fun (laughs) like (laughs) it's so weird and rare that this um there are three Godzillas. There is the f- original Godzilla where he is a representation of horror and trauma and the terrors that Japan faced because of nuclear um, uh, fallout and like the nuclear testing. There is the fun, silly suitmation Godzilla where he's fighting all these other monsters. And then there is this new way of Godzilla where he represents nature. Um, he yeah. is... It's all an allegory for like... Uh, I mean... Usually it's like another monster turns up and then he's here to protect the planet. So he, you know, the people who get hurt in his wake are um, collateral and he's just here to fight this other monster. Um, I don't know. It's really interesting. I watched a really good video essay that I will uh, have up in the Discord for everyone to look at. Um, But yes. Yeah. I don't know. How are you feeling about this so far? Because I know that it's weird. No, no, I love it. It's it's a really really interesting concept to work with. Which which iteration uh, of him are you wanting I to think, channel in this? I think the most important because we're we're not making a Godzilla story. We're making a kaiju story. We're making a monster. Um, yeah. And some of the most successful sort of non Godzilla world kaiju movies are the Pacific Rim movies. Um, the first one is by Guillermo del Toro, who's like my favorite director, and he it's much more it's much better than the the first one's much better than the second one because the monsters represent something they represent climate change um mm. and you know it points characters in the in the world say like oh you know we did most of these aliens are here to terraform our planet so that these monsters are here to terraform our planet so that aliens can move in um and we already did most of the terraforming with global warming um by like messing up our our ecology yeah, yeah, yeah. so the best kaiju, I think, are representative of a larger issue. And I think that's what we should hang yeah, on because I think that's really cool. 
Um, yeah, I've got totally. a, a list of a list of things here that so they're often allegorical, you know, uh, mm. allegories for nuclear um, power or blah blah blah. Um, they are literally awesome. Um, a combination of fear and love. Uh, the stories are about Godzilla and the people witnessing Godzilla, who are like uniformly terrified and amazed by the sheer power of these kaiju. Mm-hmm. They are purpose driven is often a thing even like the bad ones are like you know in uh i think it's the 2014 godzilla he is he has come to land to eat uh the radiation out of nuclear plants and that's like his purpose uh so that he can survive yeah um they have quantifiable strengths and weaknesses but are still absolutely beyond human strength like we just a a on an individual level, we have nothing that can deal with them. Um, and they are always, there's this interesting aspect of them being humanized. Like they have a certain amount of personality and emotion, which is a necessity of the original medium. They were all done in suitmation, you know, they were people in suits. And so you could see that they were people moving in them. So there's like a certain amount of humanity to these monsters. Um, they're not really comparable to anything else. Um, i.e. you can't really like you see godzilla and you're like it's a big lizard but is it a dinosaur is it a dragon uh he has these weird ridges on his back it's it's hard to like pin them down to any sort of like culture or whatever but they are still like universally recognizable um and they are always a representation of a societal fear which is yeah okay well See, my instinct in this moment is to be reflective of our current situation. I think that's the... the, It's... Because the reason that Godzilla has changed over time is that at first that's what he was doing, but no one has that, you know, context anymore. he's reflective of the fears of society at the time. Yeah, exactly. And see, I think... um, I think people are... Like, I think we've spoken about this before, being hesitant to kind of use the coronavirus as inspiration for storytelling yeah. but i mean oh, i didn't even right... think of that well oh that's what i was talking about but i, um... I was just like global warming of course <laughs> but, oh, like no. yeah wow but uh i don't know my thinking is well people take inspiration from their environment to put into stories yeah. all the time and right now while we're experienced we have uh, those emotions and that that the the perspective of this situation fresh in our minds. So yeah, it's I mean yeah, ultimate inspiration. Um, that's yeah. really interesting. What do you think if we were to try and isolate the fears that are associated? Pardon me, associated mm. with coronavirus. How would we put that into a physical form? Well, I think there's a lot of um, isolation is a big one. I was thinking that, yeah. Um, not just uh, along with having to be by yourself while like loved ones are mm. in trouble and suffering. Yeah. Maybe, uh, it, I don't know whether it would necessarily be reflective in something that the monster could do, but maybe even just the actions that humanity takes in response to that monster. I um, like that. Because yeah. it's about the people as well. Um, that's something that the first Pacific Rim movie does really well is that the monsters are there and the big robots are there but it's about the people um it's about like these pivotal characters who are yeah their stories are always affected by the monsters um 
I think that's cool. I think uh, a good description in this essay that I watched um, about Godzilla is that the effects of the original nuclear testing and the nuclear bomb were happening. Like Godzilla was doing those things. He has this like radioactive breath weapon and stuff that can like melt things, but it was all happening in slow motion so that you could watch every moment. You could relive that terror. Um, And it's like sort of plays with time. So I feel like, I don't know if like this monster is, I, 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 I'm hesitant to say it is a monster of, of pestilence that like, causes people yeah, I to mean, have a virus it, i feel like that's a little too on the nose and a on little on the nose i mean that's yeah. what popped into my mind at first as well but i feel like we can do something more interesting and that's like, why i'm like isolation is it. an interesting thing to touch on um and it makes me think of the uh two movies two monster movies um that are sort of in the you know i think monster movie people are like eh, they're not the best um especially bird box um bird box and a quiet place yeah um because Bird Box is about not looking at the monsters and A Quiet Place is about not making sound because the monsters are attracted to sound. Yeah. Um, and they've both led to isolation as a concept. Mm. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I like that. That yeah. um, more focusing on the side effects of its ability. Because yeah. like... it could be something to do with if, if we have community, then the monster will hurt us mm. somehow. Like a, a thing of it being attracted to heat signals, and when you're in large yeah. groups, it's more identifiable to it. So people sure. purposefully stay by themselves to not attract it. My my mm. thinking was even maybe it's almost. I don't know how. Uh, I don't know much about kaiju and stuff like that. I find that very interesting, but um, maybe even a, a more spirit-like. A version like a, yeah. I imagine a, a massive, uh, shadowy monstrosity walking over a city, and like, uh, uh with some kind of paranoia effects to it. Mm, yeah. I don't know how that would work, but yeah, I feel like even the the well, the paranoia I feel like just comes from humanity. Maybe True. like oh, yeah. I don't know. I, it's verging on the I, my my thought there was like oh, you know, what if the paranoia is driving people to isolation? But I'm like, then I'm saying I'm being one of those people who thinks that isolation is bad and that we should be with our friends and yeah. making the pandemic it, worse. not, no. Yeah. Those are definitely an aspect of this culture that people are like, no, we have to be, like, together um, in this time and that's how we defeat the monster and then yeah. they get murdered. Yeah. Um, because that's absurd. Yes. That's really interesting. Okay. Um, so, is it, yeah, so by the sound of it, it's literally just a big monster. It doesn't necessarily have any abilities or anything. It's just that humanity reacts Maybe. By... Maybe. Okay. Here is... This is a weird thing, but maybe it can see... It can only perceive through other people's senses... So you have to, like, not give away your location. Although that doesn't necessarily mean you would be isolated because you could have a whole city living underground and just no one knows where they are. Hmm. That doesn't work. Mm. It's a cool concept, though. So maybe we could bring that back in another episode. Yes, for sure. Because that's cool. Write it down. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know. Let's go back to, like other societal concerns or other aspects yeah. of the the main societal fear at the moment because like my th- like the big things at the moment in the world we've got 
capitalism we've got global warming we've got the pandemic we've got like inept leadership i think is a common theme in most nations Mm. (sighs) and what do these things cause like what sort of fears come Um, out of that distrust yeah, uh, I was having a I was having a discussion with my dad the other day, which is um, just an interesting uh, thing to talk about. That um, here in Australia, they're chatting about um, getting everyone to download an app that would pretty much track where you go, right? But so it would alert you um, when you are getting close to someone who has been infected, and it pretty much means that they'll easily be able to track everyone who's come into contact with people who have corona wow um and uh but our discussion came down to like huge invasion of privacy it is and and so we were talking about well would you do it like would you download this Mm. this app um uh and we we decided it'd probably come that decision would come down to whether or not you trust your government with that kind of thing and the thing is no it's a tool and i always say this tools have uh negative traits and positive traits but they're not inherent they can be used for good and evil um except guns guns are evil um and like so it could be yeah it could be used for good or ill i i had an idea while you were saying that what if instead of the you know the often the narrative in in a kaiju movie is that this monster this godlike being enters into the society and people are dealing with it what if this is the leader of this society in a way or they are under the thumb of it and Ooh. people it it knows it wants people isolated i don't know why <sighs> see that's then it just seems like again too on the nose but like if if you come in contact with someone else it knows and then it comes and hmm, i don't yeah. know it's interesting Donald trump is a werewolf <laughs> exactly <laughs> I, yeah. I like that idea. Okay. Um, mm. So we just need to think of... If we move back to the physicality yeah. of it, I think that's mm. like... Because, I mean, it's very... Godzilla, I think, is easy to come across because it's like... It's a physical thing that he can do, i.e. he can breathe a big breath weapon that melts things. Yes. Um, and it's the same with the the kaiju in um which are literally called kaiju in the world in pacific rim mm. they just call them the kaiju um like it's it's very like yeah we're, we're making a kaiju movie um <laughs> they have uh they like are described as acting like tornadoes or um cyclones um oh, cool. yeah um they do the things that cyclones do which is like one of the side effects of global warming uh and when they die their blood pollutes the water and the air um like it's very cool. I don't know I think that we've hit on an, on a unique allegory to to draw with the mm. with the the virus and the pandemic but what are the features of it I mean global fear global outcry like la- lock, lack of connectivity mistruth um these are all things that are the fears in a pandemic yeah and it it all really boils down to isolation but how do you make isolation a monster and one monster as well as it as is um, typical of a kaiju movie. Because my thought is like, what if there are lots of monsters, as in a quiet place, and they could be anywhere at any time? Hmm. I don't know. It's going to take some thinking. Yeah, I mean, um, I've been playing Zombicide a lot with my family lately, and one of the yes. features in that game is noise tokens. 
um, mm. and, and and that's how you count uh, the direction that the zombies are moving in. Um, right. That uh, when you fire a gun, it uh, sits down a noise token, and every person counts for a noise token. And so maybe maybe it's just. I'm sorry, my brother's gallivanting around the house. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it's just that they maybe they just don't necessarily know why. They just know that when they're yeah uh, a certain I like uh, that. Like a larger group of people are gathered together, it seems to head that way. Yeah, I think that's cool. I think that that and, is terrifying. Yeah, and, in a way, and, it's and the shadow of the monster. I think that not knowing, mm. uh, uh gives room for rebellion because if we say if like the government says we're not sure why but it seems yeah. that large gatherings are getting people in trouble so we ask you to stay at home and stay away from and large people gatherings like, oh, people go you don't have any evidence of this and so they yeah, just go out cool. and do it anyway like Which people is, in this because mm. with the coronavirus like we all there is common knowledge in a way that is shared but a lot of it is um you know i'm gonna say most of it is true. Some of it is mm. uncertain truth. You know, yeah. I don't know if breathing masks are helpful. I don't know if they're useful or not. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think that that aspect of like uncertainty, because this is such a complex thing, that's cool. Okay, let's say that this monster is unpredictable and complex. And so we only know what not to do. And yeah, even like then, that. we're not sure. Like, there would yes. be other things that people are like, you have to uh, only, like, you can't use electricity during the day. Or, like, mm. these other yeah, physical things. Yeah, there are lots things. of rumors spinning around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people are like, oh, if you wear, I mean, if you breathe near it, you will die. Um, yeah. So, if it's nearby, you have to hold your breath until it goes. It's Stuff like that. It's attracted to blood, and that's why people can't get into big groups yeah or... no one's working or doing physical labor and stuff everyone's being very careful yeah okay i okay, like this it... now i think it's very cool now all right yeah. yes um what does it do you look have like? ideas about an appearance like you said you mentioned like a big shadowy beast i don't know i reckon maybe we can find because godzilla is a whole radioactive thing and that probably was reflective of his appearance so maybe yeah. we can find aspects of this to reflect in this thing's appearance what are i mean what are like icons in because like iconography is this idea of symbols that are universal yeah um, okay um, like i feel like a symbols of like death and loneliness disease. maybe like an owl or a raven or something or a Crow? Like have it like you can have it like dark and kind of inky with big eyes. Yeah, um, and it, and, of... it, and it kind of has this like foggy haze around it. Yeah, and it's yeah, sort of like I think wings. Are, it's kind of like the Mothman. <laughs> um, oh no! Ah, oh, damn it! The Mothman is just such a cool design that you just can't escape it. He's just so good, it. though. Yeah, it's just perfect. He's just so good. Okay. I like the haze. I think the haze is something to hold on to. I don't like. I don't think it should be a um, one of those blobby monsters, though. No, no, because I agree. they're absurd. <laughs> they're fun yes. and funny, but they're I love not them, or but inspiring. It doesn't quite fit. Yeah. 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 It needs to be like I can. Yeah, I can imagine this. This tall, 
dark creature wreathed in shadow and you just look up and you just kind of see its eyes through the darkness these big like wise and terrifying yeah. eyes maybe they do like the sauron sort of beam thing as they're looking over yeah um and that's like indicative of like searching um uh my housemates are home so if you hear noise that's that um that's good. maybe maybe we could just do like a big old guy with like long limbs and a sort of like a a cloak appearance sort of like um i was gonna say should we put antlers on it but then if we go with that shape with the antlers that is just the the um, beast the beast from uh over the garden wall uh, oh thank you over the garden wall um that but, was like, my inspiration a can bit. unfurl to be huge wings i think that's very cool that's cool i like that mm. a kind um, of almost slender man-esque Guy. Maybe up close, it is like a skeleton of this like absurd complexity. Um, yeah. So it, it it's clearly a skeleton, but it has like uh, sort of that um like a Eshrian... lich kind of yeah. But it's it's like instead of it's like clearly you can't define it as like this is a human skull. It's got like all of these holes and walls and shapes and things. Mm. Um, and it sort of looks like stone. Maybe it's like, hmm, it's sort of like con- somewhere between a construct, like a construct piece of like s- skeleton or armor sh- wreathed in shadow with these glowing eyes. I kind of, I cool. imagine it like like being like a lich carved from ivory. Yes, 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 yes. 100%. Okay. Yeah, wreathed in, like with, with uh, yeah, these, these shadow wings that can mask its face and... Cool. I like it. Yeah. Turns up, We've destroys got what's, buildings. What's his hmm? name? Um, we need to name this boy. Yeah, well, this is... Okay, I was going to ask, do we have lore? Because often, and it is a very, I think, Ooh, a modern yes, proclivity, lore. having, like, these things have existed forever, um, mm-hmm. and maybe there's more than one of these, or not like this one, but more than... Pardon me, more than one kaiju in this world, because um, that's often a thing as well, is that they come into conflict, and it's interesting. Um... Uh, yeah. the, in the sort of second version of Godzilla, usually the solution was Godzilla's turned up, or a different monster has turned up that is going to mess us up. Let's lure Godzilla over here to fight it. <laughs> that yes. was always the solution. And then it was well, like, well, whoever dies because of Godzilla, it's greater good. Um, I have an idea. Yes. Uh, well, I I was trying to think, well, okay, well, to find the lore where this guy comes from, you kind of need a bit of... A goal for him, like like you said, mm. uh, all these kaiju usually have a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I reckon maybe he's walking around eating people. I think mm-hmm. that kind of um, attribute a kind of a sense of weakness if it's like eating yeah. the souls of people. Like yeah. I can imagine it opening up this wide mouth and like uh, sucking the uh, sucking up people's souls and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. We could even have a thing of that. This is the like life force of the planet that's so depleted that it crawls to the surface every now and then to reclaim what we've stolen. I like that. I like that a lot. And it's not just like... It's... Yeah, it's eating people. And I, I feel like it could be cool. I don't know if it's still on brand, on theme, but like if it's, if it's like depleting brand. nature as well, if it's on brand, if it's depleting <laughs> nature, we're sort of overlapping with some ideas in terromancy there. Yeah. Um, but if it is like pulling out life from like mm. the surrounding land so that people die faster. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that matches with the mm. isolation theme, but hmm. 
Hmm. I mean, making resources scarcer does. I don't know. Hmm. I think I kind of just like him chomping on people because I think the idea here is... It's terrifying um, as well. Yeah, because I think um, the idea of this is that humans have eaten up his life force, so he's coming to eat it back. Maybe he doesn't, and as well, like, he turns up and there's, like, a group of, you know, people who have huddled together and he doesn't eat all of them. He just eats enough of them. Yeah. Like, there are, like, 12 people and he's, like, comes up and just takes four and leaves. Yeah. And that's, people are like, why them? Mm. Why not us? Yeah. Why that many? And, and there's there no real like, reason. Well, maybe there he's, is, but, just, you know... This is all I needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's too complex. He is... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. People have these, like, ideas of, like, sacred numbers because they're the numbers that people are left in mm. when he leaves. Um, okay. There are probably... Hmm. Because, yeah, that is also a, a big idea in Wave 3 of Godzilla, yeah. that these are guardians of nature that come to defend the planet. Mm. Um, uh, in the Godzilla King of Monsters, um, they fight King Ghidorah, who is like a three-headed dragon um, thing, uh, and he's an alien. And so the idea is, like, he can control the other kaiju, but not Godzilla, so Godzilla comes and beats his ass. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. It's very, like, straightforward stuff. Nice. Um yeah, but I, I like this. I think this is cool. Okay, do we have ideas for names? Uh, do we want something super, like, literal or just cool sounding? Well, if it is... here's If there are, like, ancient cultures that worshipped him, perhaps, um, then they would have a name for but him. Probably. He's just... He's the planet. Mm, yeah. So... Um, and then if there were... Maybe he's just the first wave. I just had this idea of like when he slumbers he just his shadows sort of recede and he just becomes those ivory bones something um, like mantle yeah mantle is cool just because I'm thinking thinking of words like Crust. that it comes from like he crawls out of the earth or crawls out of the oceans um, yeah like or like a crevice or hmm, hmm. <laughs> um Yes, please. <laughs> you good? Pardon? Yes, please. I just had Amanda slip a note through my door that says, do you want Domino's for dinner? Um, <laughs> which is also what she texted me a while ago, but I haven't replied to you yet. Oh. <laughs> um, You're saying uh, yes, right? I said yes. The usual okay. I get. Mm-hmm. And spicy veg trio mm-hmm. with a little bit of feta on top. Very nice. That's almost yeah. what I get. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of the opposite of what you get. I have negative uh, feta. Yeah, as, as little feta as possible, thank you. In fact, <laughs> go so far as to get anything feta-related out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and replace it with a viable substitute. Um, often I think we've been coming up with names later that are really appropriate, like litany. Um, yeah. So we could sit on in it for a while. But let's talk. let's think about, like, the world is, you know filled with this the way that the world was before the virus you know when it was we're dealing with like political stuff and environmental stuff and this 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 whole complex melange of of things and then this beast turns up and we are afraid and we are hiding and we know that we have to keep separate but we don't quite know why Hmm. you know because it's a little too complex for some people and okay i like this this is cool cool 
Yeah, I'm kind of mm-hmm. happy with it. Yeah. Um, and I oh, I want to get ahead and be like, I, I, I think it's it's important, and neither of us are going to be guilty of this, but I think it's important that we do not Chinese code this character at all, this this monster. No. If we're not like, oh, he was worshipped by the ancient Chinese people, because that's heavily, heavily racist and being like, coronavirus is China's fault. Oh, like, yeah. I didn't even I think, think a... of that connection. Oh. Yeah, I, I was just like, you know, ancient cultures. And then yeah. often that's like Southeast Asia and there is a lot of, a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Um, that I mean, gets used um and in fan- uh, sci-fi gets that as well um it's weird like ancient stuff and future stuff people are like asia um just because it is that exotic sort of touch mm. um and like pacific islander peoples as well i don't want to yeah. get up and like know. do that yeah i don't know a, a lot of this i'm really tying to america I yeah think. for just, sure just because um in this whole coronavirus situation, America is very heavily like on my radar because of how poorly it's being handled over there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this, I, like, I, I heard that Sweden as well is oh, handling it terribly. So really? we could do an Icelandic sort of touch to it, where it is ancient Icelandic myth. Um, he was he this this monster, and then it could be really cool to find. Like, we could literally name him after like a Norse god, or he could be just. I mean, Ragnarok is a little on the nose, but <laughs> but something along those lines would be really cool. Yeah. And we could maybe even bring some of those aesthetics in there, um, mm. which is... And try not to do it in, again, the opposite of that, which is this um, veneer of, um, uh, like, the white saviour sort of archetype that comes with ancient Norse ideology. Like, the, that sort of yeah. stuff, the um, very, like, Nazi-esque... Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, trying to ride the line between we're doing this because we don't want to be racist, and we're not trying to make, be racist while we're doing it, yes. um, is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think it's being aware of it is the least that we have to do. Um, I'm uh, personally not mm-hmm. feeling it tied to a particular culture. I don't know. That's um, true. But then it's it, like if if mm-hmm. if we are grounding in an our world then it has to be grounded somewhere, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, it's definitely everywhere because this is the planet. Yeah. Um, so I guess we would say this being has turned up at multiple points throughout history. Usually it's only there for like a day because it's never been this bad before mm-hmm. and it has names everywhere. Um, and it's like appeared I mean, again and I, again. I don't necessarily know if it... Well, do you think it would have shown up before? Because I don't know if necessarily before our time, like the last couple hundred years, if it would necessarily have a big reason to come and feed. No, not 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 before the Industrial Revolution, certainly. But maybe he doesn't just come for environmental reasons. Maybe he has the the Earth has other purposes, Hmm. like that he's trying to stop. I don't know what that would be, but. Or he just turns up when he's hungry. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Hmm. He just has a big nap yeah. and he gets hungry afterwards. Exactly. It's it's because then if there if he's if this is his first time turning up, then there is no law. Then this is the inception mm. of the idea, and it loses that sort of ancient mysticism thing, well, which is which is fine. If we don't want to, I, have I, that. I don't know. Maybe maybe we could do a do more of a. Because, I don't know, just, just for me with some of the concepts we've come up with, it feels like, not that he's a recent creature, but he's only had reason to surface more recently. So maybe there yeah. are sketches of him 
from like the Victorian era, the Industrial Revolution in England and stuff like that, where yeah. um, where maybe it wasn't as bad as it was now, and he he came up in a smaller form. There are the creature, there are drawings of these this shadow like yeah. creature just um, draining the life from people and then slinking like away. one at a time and then leaving. And it's been getting worse and worse, and then it's suddenly exponent. I did just have an idea. Hmm. I was like, what's different now? The Black Plague. Uh, Sorry. The Black Plague. Yeah, 100%. 100%. That's cool. Um, <laughs> my thought was, I was like, what's different now? And why would things change? And I was like, hmm. what if he's here because it's quiet for the first time Ooh. in a long time? I like that. Like, what if we do have the coronavirus as a thing and he's something else? And so hmm. people are like, it's similar to the coronavirus in that we have to stay isolated, but he's here because it's like, it's finally, I'm awake. This the sound. It's, it's like the, the din of noise has been keeping him asleep under the earth. Oh, I like and, that. That's nice. And now that it's quiet, you know. Yeah. And I don't know. and and now uh, that he's up and awake and it's quiet. Whenever he hears the noise, he gets a chomping yep i like that okay that's that's closer to it you know there's there's a i'm sure it'll be decided in the story but something either that or he's been woken up by the noise and it's just <laughs> taken a while um, i don't know i because, kind of like the silence yeah me too it's it's kind of cool because mm. it is quieter it's mm. noticeably quieter it now is, definitely and you've got it's, things like water like waterways in venice getting clear mm. again and um, which has spawned one of my favorite memes of all time, which is people taking just any picture of like, I saw it's like a, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's just like this really hyper colorful picture of some dolphins. And they were like, the waterways are clear. Nature is returning. Nature is healing. <laughs> and it's funny. Um, but yeah, it, it's quiet and it's good. The planet enjoys the quiet and the planet's gone. What if we keep it this way? Yeah. Yeah. And sent. Yeah, I like that. And sent so this maybe creature. like he used to walk around, but he was a lot more peaceful back then. Yeah, and we've we've drained him of all his life, and so now he's coming to get it back. Oh, he's hungry. All right, okay. I think we've hit it on the head. I think yes. that's this always happens. Is we're like, I'm oh, not. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Bam! Right in the middle. Bam! We did it. Yes. Yeah. All right. So he. I think that there, then there is ancient text of like the peaceful wanderer sort of archetype. Yeah. Mm, like I love he, that. he was he was uh he was the myth that spawned the gentle giant archetype yes 100 percent. oh he comes along and helps people and mm. he was less shadowy then he was like a big old ant back in the day but oh. but he like became all petrified and yeah it's not it's not uh necessarily ivory but um yeah. petrified wood that's cool yeah that's all all smoothed and what and like um Oh, it's like he sunk to the bottom of the ocean and um, mm. was bleached like coral. And Yeah, I guess coming out of the ocean is a common theme and is mm. very cool. Very cool. Um, I just like that image. Yeah, me too. Like you can imagine of the oceans turning dark as, as he like breaks. The shadow. Place. Yes. Oh, okay. This and I dude. think there are, I think that this kaiju world can be expanded upon. I think that I there could be agree. other beings in this and we should like prepare mentally to have space <laughs> for them 
Um, yes, you know, you know, sometimes when you have a, a closed idea and then you try to add something on and it's just really mushed together, mm. um, like we could adjust his goals so that there's more, because right now it's just sort of, he's like, I represent the planet, which is very broad, yeah. but we could I think later, we'll probably we could narrow it, it down later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we know so that he it- causes isolation in a way mm-hmm. like silence and eats people. And eats people. Very nice. We can, mm. like, end up turning this into, like, a big, cool yokai world. Yeah, yeah, very fun. Awesome. Um, okay, I'm happy with that. Me too. Yay, Kaiju! I love Kaiju. Good. I want to go watch Godzilla 2014. It's such a good movie. <laughs> it's just absurd. I'll need to watch it sometime. <laughs> yeah. The the second one, the, so it's like, there's, like, the new ones. The second one, uh, King of the Monsters, really bad. It's got Millie Bobby Brown in it, which is weird. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the first one rules. Cool. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, thank you so much, my friend. Um, thank you for allowing me this. And hopefully next time That's, okay. you have an idea for a directed episode because I am so happy to do that. Yes, that was lots of fun. Hell yeah. I enjoyed that very much. Cool. Okay. Thank you, All everyone. Right. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. The Sky Machine, a collaborative world-building podcast about dynamic, fantastical, and concise storytelling. Nice. Yeah. Is that correct? I, I sort of, so. I paused in the middle. Like, I he was hesitated. practicing it the other day, and I was so confident, but I paused in the middle <laughs> and second-guessed myself. Don't second-guess yourself. Trust your gut. Uh-huh. It's, um, it's sleepy hours. Um, mm-hmm. it's, I just woke up from a nap. Yeah. I, I, we worked out that I would have messaged you... Uh, exactly when you fell asleep saying hey you're ready to record at some point soon like are you free and i have to i have to leave like shortly to go to my friend's house for dinner sorry Um, stay inside um but yeah um this is a fun one this was our directed episode um so it was it was um sort of a a weird joy to be like you know to see my my idea come to fruition with the help of a friend that I very much trust um, mm. the authority of in regards to like fiction and stuff. Yes. Um, so it was very cool, and I want you to experience that as well um, at some point when we do a directed episode for you. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I don't know whatsoever what I will pick, but mm. I'm excited for it. Yes, for sure. Um, well, I, I don't know if there was, there was much... Um, Oh, I, I wanted to talk about um, something that has been really helping me with writing is because I've been stuck on this one story for um, like a month or two that has been really difficult to work with. And I think it's because um, I think we, we work in different ways when we write stories. Um, you sort of have an understanding of the story in your head and then you write it. You know, yeah. I, I like write out a sort of draft like dot point plan. But yeah. I find, I've been finding lately that that dot point plan, while useful, it has, like, been hampering my ability. It gives me, when I finish it, it's a very, like, cohesive plot and I'm very happy with it. But it takes forever to do because I'm constantly, like, referring back or whatever. So what I've started doing is planning it out either in my head or writing it down, the dot points and understanding all of the beats of the story and then deleting it. 
And now I have the, like, I learn it, I read it uh, again and again, and I know it, and then I delete it completely. And now I have, the, I have to battle time and my ability to remember things. And it really, like, drove me to finish the, uh, the, the, the story. Um, and I find that, uh, we'll finish this one of the stories I was working on. Um, I, I think that it's a, it's a good method for people who get stuck in similar ways that I do. Wow, that's a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was helpful because I I get the you know sort of the best of, best of both worlds um, of it being very fluid because yeah, yeah, often when you're you know writing and you're going between these points that you've made you'll realize that maybe the course isn't quite correct how you planned it out um, mm. and having it very fluid um, definitely helps with that. So that was my sort of tip um, that I came up with. Awesome. Well, um, I have a recommendation. Oh, good. Um, because I watch a lot of things, but apparently I don't take too many things for them because I never have advice to offer. <laughs> that's okay. I have fun. Um, uh, both my brother and I, well, I have been rewatching and he's been watching, uh, High Rollers, uh, oh, yeah. which is the D&D game by, uh, the Oxcast. And I haven't watched it for years um, but I really, really loved it and I, I never got up to date with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've started rewatching that and, uh, it's very interesting because since I first watched it, I've learned a lot more about running games and stuff. And I have come to appreciate now how good a DM Mark Humes is. Yeah. Like, um, this isn't, um... A spoiler or anything, it'll just make you really scared watching the whole show. So that'll just be funny. <laughs> but at some point, uh, a character dies very abruptly. Mm. Like there's no, like there's no expecting. It just happens, yeah. and like everyone is incredibly shocked. And Mark just handles it so well. Oh, that's so um, good. Like because it happened uh, about like halfway through a three-hour live stream. Mm. Um, so he had to, he had to just roll with it. Yeah. Um, and the way he handled it was so good. And, and I don't, I, I'm not going to get into it too much, but like, uh, they, uh, treated the death very respectfully, like, mm. um, honoring that this character was important and kind of without, he didn't even ask the players, but he, he, uh, clearly, followed their reactions um, at both to the player of the character and the characters uh, in the rest of the party together, whether they, like, how they wanted to handle that death, whether they wanted to try and bring the character back mm. or move on. Yeah. And he, he, he clearly just innately gauged that very well mm. and had some stuff planned and just figured out how to seamlessly work into that. And it was just... Mm. Uh, from a demon's perspective, it was a very cool thing to just watch him work through that problem. There's a certain aspect in DMing of um, empathy and mm. um, like having to understand your your friends without like you know there there is obviously uh, table talk and having like a blacklist and stuff of like hey here are the topics that aren't allowed um, uh, it is important at the start of a game um, but like even if you don't want to like give away your secrets too much just understanding your players. Um, Mm. Uh, as an example from my own game, one of my players um, has said that if her character ever dies, she'll just stop playing because she's like really just yeah. in it for her character. Yeah. Um, I and that. yes, and so recently, um, 
I didn't want to, there is a sort of threat in my, in my campaign world, um, that I didn't want to take away from. So I had to kill her character. Um, but with the understanding that like, I couldn't, uh, well, uh, uh, this is the second like PC, inverted commas, PC death, um, in this campaign. Uh, I knew that the other player was okay with it. You know, he could just move on to a new character and he's a lot happier now playing this new character. You know, he's playing a rogue monk multi-class before, and now it's a wizard. And he's like, oh, I should have been playing a wizard the whole time. This is so up my alley. Um, I knew that this player, uh, you know, I, I, she'd said this before. So I, I was like, how do I not take away from the punch that I've earned? Um, yeah. But also not, you know, ruin the game because it is about the players. Um, and yeah. so I, uh, I, you, I talked to you about it. Um, she has had a cursed sword this whole time that... Um, she hasn't managed to get rid of. She just is bound to sort of hold on to it. Um, mm. And when she died, she's barred and the, f- the pure force of her charisma, her soul went into the sword and the curse went into her body. Um, and so when her body died, she lived on in the sword. Um, so now she is a sentient sword and they are on a race to get her back to a physical body um, as fast mm. as possible before... They don't know how much time they have, but before the tether... Um, of her soul to this sword ends and she just dies. Um, oh, cool. I, I, I completely forgotten about that, but that's very cool to hear that it's come to fruition. Yes. But making that, yeah, that call is, is tough. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard because I'd established how this, um, it's, it's an infection, it's a fungal infection. I'd, I'd established how it worked of like at any point, um, the character or the, the the infected person's head could just explode in a cloud of spores. Um, and uh, with like the awareness that the players aren't, you know, aware of or what sort of triggers that or like how that works yet. Um, and they might be listening. So trying to spoil it. Um, uh, I had to like follow through with the, the rules that I'd established. Um, two of the characters were actually infected. So I would have had to kill the other one as well. Um, in this sort of this combat that ensued with a bunch of infected um, players and stuff. Um, uh, but thankfully they leveled up and it just so happened that the monk at level 10 gets immunity to disease. Um, ah, very nice. So he just breathed the spores out in, in a breath of flames as a dragonborn. And he was like, oh, I'm fine now. <laughs> um, uh, Barlet's not so lucky. Um, yeah, that's that's a really good. Yeah, definitely, people should check out High Rollers. I remember when the second Eros, the second campaign started. I was I was mm. really interested to that in that for a little while. I didn't catch on to it, but um, I think um, Mark Humes is is sort of an unsung hero in yeah absolutely D&D stuff. Yeah, and he does he does some really good voices as well. Mm. Uh, I think a resource I I pointed out once was his video yeah. on doing different voices. I'm talking about the their Lightfall campaign, by the way. Is that the, like the, the first very one? first one? Yeah, that's the first one. Um, I also, yeah, when that started, because I was, I think at the time I, I had just fallen off of being into Yogg's cast, and so that came in and I was like into D&D now, and I was like, hmm, a cool crossover, but didn't quite catch mm-hmm. me. Um, one thing that I wanted to say that I thought would be fun um, for uh, listeners is we all have a lot of free time right now, and I feel like people are feeling, uh, can be feeling lost, so I thought that we should give um, prompts, like writing prompts would be really fun. Ooh. That's um, cute. Yeah, so uh, just like a story or, you know, an excerpt of like lore or something, if you want to do world building, of like 500 to 1,000 words, which you can bang out in about 15, 20 minutes. Um, mm. uh, and 
I think, I don't know what inspiration, I had a couple ideas for like something to inspire. I just, the word energetic, I thought would be a good, a good like starting point. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, do you have a word that you want to throw in as well and people can try and like work between just like a single word? Ghosts. I like ghosts. Ghosts? Does that work? Yeah, I like ghosts. Hell yeah. Okay. Energetic and ghost. Uh, those are your inspirations. Go off and write something. If you write something and you want to share, um, you can drop it in the Discord or you can message us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. We're at Sky Machine Pod on everything, much to our dismay. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, let us know, um, and that would be really cool, and just give everyone something to do. I'll probably do it myself and post it somewhere um, yes, in the awesome. next couple of days. Okay, fantastic. All right, brilliant. Cool. Uh, see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.